0: And we welcome you to WVOF 88.5 FM in Fairfield, Connecticut. And it's a uh, true pleasure, after we listen to uh, all the, the fabulous history and all the musicianship from the Chops Horns, to uh, be able to say that uh, the Chops Horns are in the upper room with uh, Joe Kelly. And I welcome Mr. Dave Watson and Mr. Daryl Dixon to WVOF. So thanks for being here, guys. Nice to see you, Joe. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, you know... When you guys listen to the intro uh, that we heard right there from from all your great work, are, are you kind of amazed or are you still hungry to keep adding to that legacy?
1: Well, Daryl, I think uh, from my standpoint, it just gives me a chance to see how old I am. <laughs> how, are you guys still young? Come on, how long I've been in the business. <laughs> Um, And I have to tell all your listeners that if I would have known in 79 how big rap was going to be, I really think that I would have taken it more seriously back then. We really thought rap was going to be a fad. We enjoyed doing the records and and the fresh sound and style that, you know, that rap music brought to the industry. Um, But who would think 22 years later that rap is still on the scene?
0: Yeah, and you guys have worked with Sugar Hill Gang and and Flash and so many others in the, in the rap genre. How about as guys who could play it live, seeing rap shows? What goes through your mind when you when you see that?
2: I, to me, I I, I think about um, uh, a lot of things that a lot of young artists today and uh, young people that listen to rap what they what they miss. Um, Prince had, had said and I agree that uh, he, he feels it's his job and job of a lot of the older artists to teach a lot of these young artists and the people that listen to them, teach them the art of making music and the art of putting on a show uh, even uh, the late Rick James uh, his show was unbelievable I mean you wouldn't think it but but it was, I mean, with, with the horns and, and the real instruments and, and, and that. And this, this is why, one of the reasons why, you know, I, I applaud Alicia Keys, you know, I mean, who we work with, with, um, well, because she's has always insisted on using live musicians and working with a live band. Mm-hmm. You know, when we did uh, the Soul Train Music Awards back in 2002, uh, we were the only band there uh, everybody else was playing the tracks. Uh, they wanted her to play to sing the tracks, but she insisted on on using a band, which is is to her credit. I mean, it I, makes I, I it easy her.
0: for them to put a show together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I personally right.
1: still have to applaud the the rappers to that didn't play instruments and mm-hmm. didn't know a lot right. about music. Right. Right. They found a way to get their music across, and and by using using other records and. And and the whole DJ thing, I mean, you know, um, they did what they needed to do. And a good portion of their shows are entertaining. Um, You know, it has a lot of a a certain uh, edge to it, you know, um, which musicians um, have a totally different style of the way they perform on stage and and the way they communicate with the audience. Um, But if you would have asked me this question in 1980, I might've had a different answer because right. I had a different look on rap, but rap made it through 20 years. So you yeah. have to respect oh, yeah, what they've
0: definitely. done. So, so in between working on the Chops Horns material and touring worldwide with Alicia Keys and, and such, are you guys practicing spitting
1: on some, some new music with all the rhymes? <laughs> well, to tell you the truth, I I do have a concept That I'm not ready to reveal just yet, but it it has something to do with horn players starting to imitate some rappers. Of course, rappers use, they imitate instruments all the time, especially percussion instruments. Um, I mean, a a great jazz player like Al Jarreau or or Bobby McFerrin, they, they can sound, you know, like 20 instruments. You know, and they're all doing it from a verbal thing. So it's about time for instruments to maybe mimic some of the stuff that they're doing. And that's that's one of my um, secret projects. Uh, Yeah. And you you guys have been working on a lot of great stuff. Uh, We've been
0: featuring music from uh, the chops experience from the chop horns. Let me give people uh, the website who are out there listening. Chopshorns.com. C-H-O-P-S-H-O-R-N-S dot com. It's a really cool site. I mean, you got pictures of what you guys been up to, and listen to tracks and uh, yeah, know video, you, clips, video, video clips. Video clips as well. Also yeah, also. we were just talking about that, and uh, you know, I'm I'm looking at some of the stuff you've been doing this year. Extremely busy, right? So we got to be thankful for you guys having a, a time to come by the studio. And uh, when did the
1: Alicia tour, uh, Alicia Keys tour, uh, end on this leg? Uh this particular leg ended about. Three weeks ago, um, I was lucky enough to do her European leg, which consisted of basically all of the major jazz uh, festivals in Europe. And she also did some small venues. Uh, She played in Copenhagen. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, she was the first pop artist to ever work at this particular venue. Um, And just getting to the European audience Um, at these big jazz festivals was a beautiful thing um, because the type of music that we do, which is predominantly instrumental, I think lends itself to uh, a European audience. And I have to tell you, all of you folks out there from France and Italy and England that listen to this radio station and that like this style of music, we can't wait to come over there as CHOPs
0: because we we hear great things you know about seeing you guys play and uh have you noticed a difference with with europe being receptive to your own music as well
1: um i have to say yes you know the the only places that we've really um had any of our music played so far has been france and um the French audience seems to have a certain groove when it comes to the funk. Yeah,
0: we got to say hi to uh, Funky Girl, Corinne, and uh, Rafi out there. We know they're checking us out online at wvof.org. And uh, also, uh, you just tuned in my special guest right now, Daryl Dixon and Dave Watson of the Chops Horns, and uh, they're here. We're going to be listening to a lot of their music that they have recorded and talk about some upcoming projects, and uh, we're going to get into another track right now. Scrapple and Grits, we've been featuring that here on the show. Okay. How, how far back does this go for Chop's Horns? You're talking about the... The actual song and, and working on this this track.
2: Well, this track was, uh, was written by uh, our guitarist, uh, Mike Moon Rubin. Right. And um, this track, it's... I, to tell you the truth, where he, he exactly got the name Scrabble and Grits, or why he calls it Scrabbling Grits, uh, I don't know except for the fact that it's a very, uh, very kind of a down home, uh, like sitting on the back porch corn stalk in your mouth right. you know straw hat on your head type of a thing <laughs> other than that i don't i don't know the exact reason why he calls it Scrappling grits but it's it's just it's just supposed to be just like just chilling out on the porch right you know and just you know
1: well moon is is a prolific writer um, he has tons of material and when he played this particular rhythm track for us it just jumped out and it was crying for some horns, and uh, he's just a great funk artist in his in his own right. And uh, we're s- we're so pleased to 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 have the pleasure of being able to write some horn arrangements for his material. And uh, this is Moon's Tune. Hey, so enjoy. We'll Give it, Scrapple and Grits. This is uh, Chops Horns right here on WVOF.
0: All right, that's another great song from Chops Horns. Featuring our special guests this afternoon, Dave Watson and Daryl Dixon. And uh, that is from their Chops Experience, Passport to Success, and all the great tracks on there. Uh, you know, we are talking about the, the making of this uh, record, and, and you're working with a lot of talented musicians that we mm-hmm. should mention. You guys are from New Jersey, so. Yep, most it, of the band it. is.
1: Yep. Yeah. New Jersey. Um yeah, one thing I like to also mention Joe is that uh we we are working on uh two EPs and the first one will be entitled Blowout. Okay. And um that will consist of a good portion of some of our songs um that have a little CD 101 style that smooth jazz style and then the, the second CD uh, 'll we'll have a good portion of the funk stuff, and one of the songs we just listened to would be from from the second um, EP. Also, um, when Moon brought that song to us, he had uh, the, a horn line on there that sounded a lot like a song from Peter Gabriel, a uh, sledgehammer. So what we what Daryl did, I should say, was um, expanded from that particular horn um, part and and rode around it. And um, Gerard Snell, our drummer, uh, came up with a drum break in the middle. And uh, I also should mention some of the other horns you heard. Obviously, it was just not two saxophones. I overdubbed right. tenor and baritone. Uh, Daryl played alto. We had Jeff Dieterle on trombone and Joe Romano on trumpet, which are two music educators from Jersey. And not only do they play, but they teach. And I like to give a shout out to both of them and their families. And, um, one of the things we try to do with every song that we get, whether it's a remake or an original, we always try to add sections to the song. And if you notice, that song also had a small horn break, uh, which Daryl arranged. And, um, uh, how do you know
0: as, as putting your horn section together, you know, I mean, obviously, you guys are the core of it, but to add other horns in there and know when it's this is the sound we want, this big or this small, how do you know?
2: Well, um, uh, I've, I mean, being being an arranger and you know, arranging in the particular style that I do, um, I have to, I just have to interject that I also play, I play drums also, and being a drummer. Uh, I my arrange my arrangements the way that I arrange is uh, very rhythmic. I I use the horns as a drum set, more or less. You know how when um, you know a drummer has the four limbs and they have the independence of the mm-hmm. you know different limbs, and I use I use the horns in a lot of cases, not at all, but in a lot of cases as the four limbs of a drum set. You know, and so depending upon. What's happening in the rhythm track itself? Uh, I, because I, that's the first thing I do is I listen very intently to the rhythm track and listen to what the drummer is doing, what the bass, what the bass is doing, what each instrument is doing and playing, and and then I pick I pick my spots as far as where I'm going to put what or what rhythm I'm going to use where, and and that based on like my. Own particular solo technique, you know. I I figure out what you know what I, what I'm going to do, and um, I mean that's how that's how I basic that's how I basically uh, started, started an arrangement or doing an arrangement because so, I'm a great I'm a great fan of rhythm, mm-hmm. you know. So.
1: So that that was Daryl Dixon, my other special guest here, Dave Watson. Yes, yes. Joe Kelly in the house, of WVOF. <laughs> all right, eighty-eight point <laughs> five FM. We're here, and because of Joe, I have to let you guys know: you just got a one-on-one arranging class from Daryl Dixon for yeah, all of you horn go, players guys, out right. there. <laughs> so, if you want to know what to do, you heard it first here with Joe. And you got, but
2: you, the, the thing that greetings you got to have is love. Right. Right. You so so
0: you're both saxophonists, but right you, you have your own specialties? And, and, yeah. And how did you land on, this is going to be my specialty uh, as a sax?
1: Well, when I met Daryl um, at Jersey City State College in the mid-'70s, um, he was playing alto for the their jazz band at the time, which was an award-winning college band. Um, and I gravitated towards tenor saxophone because my father was a tenor saxophonist Uh um and i always liked highs and lows when it came to music i'd love to hear a screaming trumpet and a thumping bass player so i leaned towards the baritone sax and through high school i really had an admiration for the girl flute players two reasons one they were very attractive and two um I like the sound and I figured well I'm a junior if I start learning the flute maybe I'll get to sit next to some of these girls so I could kind of kick it to them <laughs> so flute and baritone uh, I started picking up late later on in high school and um, Daryl soprano saxophone and alto seemed to be his fortes so I picked up you know the tenor and the baritone and the flute and we all we both play each other's instrument obviously Daryl plays tenor and he plays flute. Um, But we kind of have our specialties, and one thing we've said about each other is um, we have a kind of a check and balance kind of style. Mm -hmm. You know, um, points where I'm weak, Daryl is usually strong, and and some of his weaker points, that's where my strengths are. So that's one of the reasons I think we've had a 27-year playing relationship. Yeah, that's outstanding kind of unheard of in, in the music business, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, well I have to tell you it's funny you should mention that, but when we when I was in uh Portugal uh with Alicia Keys, I bumped into Sting. And it was the uh, Rockin' in Rio uh, oh, okay, festival right. which was televised over there and there were a bunch of great artists for many days. Uh, the audience was about 150,000 strong each night. Mm-hmm. Um, we went on right before Sting did, and I got a chance to speak to him. Haven't seen or spoken to the man in 22 years. He still had his same head of security. He still had wow. his same bass tech, and he had the same guitar tech. So he had wow. three people that had a, a big longevity, or should I say a long long lifespan, um of working with him and that is unheard of people in the business will keep a band for a certain amount of time and change musicians. And, um, I'm not a firm believer of that. I think when you find something that works, it's, it's, it's good to kind of stick with it. Well, I know there's an interesting
0: story when you're on tour with, uh, the police, the ghost and machine tour, right? Right. When you guys were rehearsing some, some new parts and, uh, mm-hmm. Miles Copeland was yeah. listening to you and, and kind of, changed things up for the police a little bit right
1: yeah yeah it's funny we we were fresh out at least i was fresh out of college and you know you when you're in college you work on all of this technique and you work on you know trying to be the best musician you can you know because your teacher's drilling your head and when you're out in the real world you're going to have to play all of this difficult stuff which is probably true in the jazz and classical scene but in the funk scene it has a lot to do with feel and style, more so than technique. And with Sting and with the police, they hadn't had a horn section, so they didn't want us playing a lot. They just wanted a few little blips and blaps. So we're in the dressing room. Daryl's showing us this flying horn part to go on one, one part of their songs, which Sting and Stewart always loved us to play a lot because it was a new sound for them. And we hear Mr. Copeland screaming. Miles is going off. What are you doing? You created a monster. And so we're standing outside the door listening to him saying, You know, I like the horn guys, but they're changing your sound and he's going on and on. So Darrell looks at me and says, Well, I guess we could cut that can that horn part we were working on.
2: I mean the man he, he did have a point. I mean you, you their fans are used to a particular sound and it's only been yeah. this just the three of them. Right. And then to introduce introduce a sound like that, you know, it's not, you know, it's it's more like, you know, chops featuring the police than, you know, than the other way around. I mean, he has a point, you know, you he know, he, his point was he didn't want to alienate the fans, you know, as far as their sound goes, you know. I mean, so he had a point, had a point.
1: Well, one big thing, Joe, it's, it's funny because I was a high school band director for many years, and I always felt that the football field was for halftime.
0: Oh, okay, right, You know, right. for the halftime show. Right. They
1: didn't put those lines on there for Cats to Play Football. I- I'm sorry, guys, but <laughs> the football field is for halftime, all right? right. <laughs> you know, we want to hear music. Right. And that's the way we approach arrangements. I mean, when we go to do an arrangement, we figure, hey, they hired us. They yeah. must want to hear horns. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So if you listen to this blowout album, that is where we're coming from, folks. We are tired of being in the back of the track. Yeah, We decided to step out front.
2: I mean, I mean look at history. I mean, uh, bass, take the bass mm-hmm. for instance. Uh, back in the Motown days, it was, you know, you know, it was, it was, it was in the background. And all. But you know, then, then guys like you know, Jaco Pastorius, Stanley Clark, they come along, and then they bring out the instrument uh, as a melodic entity. Mm-hmm. You know, if they hadn't have done that, I, if, if bass players like them hadn't have done that, I mean, where, 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 where would the bass be right now? Yeah. And the same thing with horns. You know, horns usually they're blipping and blapping in the background. You know. Uh, I mean, you know, think of a singing group on stage. instead of four guys up there singing, think of four horn players. I mean, it's easier naturally for people to relate to vocals, you know I mean I mean I'm not, I'm not saying that, that, that that's a bad thing or anything, but I'm just saying, as far as the concept of horns, I mean, you know, most people don't. Most uh, bands, uh, especially nowadays, have really no idea how to infuse horns into their sound. Like a band that does Earth, Wind, and Fire you can't do an Earth, Wind, and Fire song without horns. Spyro Gyra—you can't play a Spyro Gyra tune without Jay Beckenstein playing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's part it's part of the part of the sound. But uh, most most younger artists, and because of that, most younger people that listen to them. Are not really too experienced with 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 listening to that or, or or that that whole concept. So so we we just feel it's our job yeah.
1: to change that. That's Somebody right. has and to Joe, it. you got to think about it. The two major tours that we've done, mm-hmm. uh, neither one of those groups really recorded with horns. The police didn't have horns at the time, and neither did Alicia Keys. Um, and I'd also like to give a shout out to Ray Chu, from Ray Chu and the crew at the Apollo uh, because he was the um, musical director that introduced us to Alicia.
0: Oh, okay. I was going to get to that, but yeah, yeah you, there you go.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I just raised my, Ray popped in my mind when I thought about horns. So our thing is, um, even though both of these groups we did major tours with never had horns. We found ways of, of enhancing their sound through using right. a horn section.
2: Also another interesting thing is that uh, both, the, both the Alicia Keys situation and, both the, and the police situation we, we had no prior knowledge of, of anyone involved in any of these situations. Mm-hmm. As far as our involvement our involvement with these situations came about very indirectly. You know, with uh, you know, with the police, we uh, we didn't know anybody in the police organization, but we had done a demo, just you know, it's insignificant demo for for this for uh, for an artist, a uh, singer named Lisa Ratner, and um, the saxophone player that came in to do overdub solos, the guy named Frank Elmo, and uh, he he was playing with Julian Lennon at the time, and Frank knew Jeff Seitz, who was Stuart Copeland's drum mm-hmm. tech.
1: Also from New Jersey.
0: Right, Clifton. (laughs) I was born in New Jersey. I was born in Orange. Oh, all right. I only lived there a couple years. Okay.
2: And um, so Jeff had told uh, Frank that the police were looking for a horn section. And so Frank had said, well, I did a demo, uh, you know, with a horn section. These guys were pretty good. And so, so, you know, he exchanged numbers and then, you know, uh, we rehearsed with them at, at, S- at SIR in New York and well the rest is history and the thing in mean, Alicia Keys situation we started working with uh, working with Ray Chu and I also have to give a shout out also to Bobby Douglas who was the right. um, um, I've known Bobby since high school mm-hmm. he was the second keyboardist in Ray Chu's in, in uh, Ray Chu and the Cruz band and um, actually you know me contacting him again because he was doing a lot of stuff. He had worked with Chaka Khan for a long time and done a whole lot of other things. Uh, I reconnected with him, and he introduced us to Ray. Now, at that time, that he introduced us to Ray, we had no idea that Ray was working with Alicia Keys. You know, we had no idea. We were just going there to work with him uh, at the at the Wednesday night amateur uh, show at the Apollo, backing up the uh, the amateurs that, right. that came on. And, um, and, and, and then Ray heard us and all of that. And then it wasn't until then, it was like a, maybe a week later that he called up and, um, and he didn't even tell us who the tour was for. He said, I want to find out if you guys are available to do a tour. I said, yeah, okay. Uh, and he didn't say who it was. He didn't. Okay. He didn't even mention it. And, um, it wasn't until later on we found out that it was Alicia Keys, you know, was, we had, we had no idea. You know.
1: But her music does lend itself to using horns because she's right. very musical. And she's a, a very beautiful young woman, but she has an old soul.
2: Yeah, right. and she's, she's one of the few artists, very few artists in her age, uh, her peers, uh, hear the elements that she hears in her music. Right. I mean, you know, because, I mean, she wanted she wanted to add horns. I mean, and and that's why I see she has a very large... Uh, uh, very large musical arsenal to pull from, you know. Whereas most, most of most of today's artists that I see, uh, you know, if, okay, if they're going to think of, they're thinking about what they're going to do next, okay, I got to use this beat. Uh, I don't know if this beat was used yet or whatever. Okay, that's all that they really have to choose from. But Alicia, being the musician that she is, has an arsenal of. I mean, she's because she's experienced with jazz and classical and all kinds of all these other different musics. That she herself hears in her head, hears herself doing, whereas these other artists they're kind of limited, right, right, mm. right. So she, Alicia, has a has a vast arsenal to pull from as far as her material.
1: And the one song that we're getting a lot of play f- play on, uh, "If I Ain't Got You," which is one of her big hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for the record, that horn arrangement was Alicia's horn arrangement. Oh yep. yeah, yeah, so we didn't write right. it. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, she has she she'll bring us in. She'll talk about. This is the vibe that I'm looking for. And nine times out of ten, a lot of the stuff that we hear uh, is more chops-oriented, and she wants to use horns for colors. And she definitely has a, a good focus on what she's looking for, which I applaud her for. So any talk of resuming the uh, the tour, Alicia Keys, the rest of your Yeah, yeah. yeah, we've got some more stuff coming up. Um, now that you mentioned, uh, we're going to do... Uh, the NFL kickoff in Boston.
0: Oh, wow. She, okay.
1: She's uh, scheduled to do that. Um, I'll be there. And she also plans on using the Chops horn section on, I think, September 9th. 8th. 8th at Radio City Music Hall. She's going to be there with, with, with some other groups. With and, Beyonce uh, and
2: Usher. Mm-hmm. Right, right.
1: So um, those of you in the New York area that, that want to hear, hear some of Chops and Alicia together, you can do that at Radio City great to be a working musician, but
0: nothing like playing your own music and, and, you know... You sure said a mouthful. We're we're going to be getting into another track from uh, the Chops experience and uh, my special guests, Daryl Dixon and Dave Watson, are here at WVOF and their website, chopshorns.com and uh, look out for the new album that they're working on. Uh, A couple uh, albums, actually, one, uh, Blowout and... uh, we're going to feature on this uh, besides your own great uh, horns, uh, a vocalist, and we can talk a little bit about it before getting into. Uh, we're going to
1: play "Free Time." Okay, "Free Time" is an is an instrumental. Okay, who uh, me I want to play? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry about that. If I, you want to hear Ambrosia, Ambrosia yeah. is a dear friend of mine for many years, and I always tell everyone she has a sound across between Chaka Khan and Sarah Vaughan. She's got a great range. She's a very soulful singer, um, and she's had a a lot of success on her own in the club scene. She's Mm -hmm. had quite a few hits in um, Japan and in London. Matter of fact, she's in London as we speak, uh, doing some of her club music. Mm -hmm. Um, I had the pleasure of working with her while my father was still alive. We had a small band together with um, Alan Watson playing keys, my father on sax, myself on sax and ambrosia singing. In Bayonne, we played a local pub for over a year and that was where ambrosia and i really developed um a sound together and once we started on this chops project there could be no other vocalist because think about it joe you've got four blaring horns you've got a full five-piece rhythm section with percussion you've got to have somebody that can step up to the front of that and really hold their own and to be able to sing over a band that magnitude and ambrosia is the girl so we'll, we'll listen to this track right now it's called groove me from
0: chops horns we'll come back and speak more with dave and daryl right here on wbof in the upper room all right you do have a great uh vocalist there she's not drowning in all that great sound there so ambrosia thank you on groove me and, and you made a great choice on on uh having her in the band and uh, my special guest this afternoon Daryl Dixon and Dave Watson founding members of chops horns and they've had a musical partnership 27 plus years yeah yeah, yeah. 19 since
2: 1974
0: Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis of the horns right <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that yeah I like you could take it <laughs> but uh they're really great musicians great guys and their website chopshorns.com uh, they've been busy uh working on their own project and touring with Alicia Keys and uh, you know, I'm getting a musical history lesson we're discussing uh, all the the people they've worked with. Uh, Daryl was talking a little bit about Patrice Russian, who we love her music, and uh, we didn't have time to finish the story, so if you want to talk about it here, welcome to, to.
2: Yeah, well, uh, we were talking about uh, basic uh, funk concepts. Uh, funk music is um, um, like, well, Fred Wesley and Maceo Parker, Maceo is is my hero he he playing his yeah playing his his uh his solos note for note is actually how i learned to improvise i didn't learn to improvise like the you know like the education route i when i was in high school i i played his his licks note for note that in turn gave me you know let me know and gave me an idea of what notes i can play in certain keys so i was you know so for a little for a little bit, I was playing you know Maceo Parker's solos in different keys right? yeah, I
0: saw him in Jersey with Prince a few weeks ago right okay. yeah, yeah he's yeah. burner.
2: Maceo can take just three notes he can just take three notes and burn down the house wow you know so anyway, um the funk concept is like with with the horny horns and Fred mm-hmm. um is i mean they 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 play loose they play loose and like they're Funky. I mean, they're they're the funkiest man, funkiest, and um, the thing with funk is that you don't have to be extremely tight to get the feel over, you know, to, to get the right feeling. You don't have to be extremely tight. Um, but like I always try to, you know, like with 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 chops. I mean, our thing has always been to be, uh, to be funky. But have that tightness too, because there's a lot of tight horn sections, a lot of tight ones. But they're not necessarily funky, you know. Right, right. I mean, if you're going, if you're playing funk, you know, they're not necessarily funky. You know, they are very tight, and but you know, they they play kind of ricky ticky. You know, sort of two, too, too straight.
0: Ticky, I like that too.
2: Please, hear it. <laughs> just
1: remember, Daryl said that all horn players around the world don't take me to court because I'm not going. <laughs> I, hey, I,
2: I, didn't <laughs> mention, I didn't mention any names. I just said, but there's a lot of there's a lot of tight horns. But, uh, but the idea of chops is to play funky, make it really funky, but make it, but have it be tight.
1: Well, right. you mentioned influences, and we we will all give. You know, major props to Maceo. But as a horn section, I have to say, Cooling the Gang's horns oh, yeah. wow. had oh, yeah, a yeah. big influence yeah. on me with my, arra- with my arrangements. Just, mm-hmm. well, I grew up in the Bayonne-Jersey City area, and they were from that area. Um, and I had the pleasure to uh, do some work with one of their younger brothers who eventually got in the group. And uh Daryl did some arrangement for him some arranging for him too. but I have to think uh cool I have to thank I should say cool the gangs horn section because they had a sound, and everybody will compare us to Tower of Power.